0: The title of the the message this morning is called Responding Through Corporate Worship. It'll be about 15 minutes long, because then we're going to worship. Does that sound all right? (laughs) Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we need you in this place. In light of all the things that you've done and all the things that you are still doing, Lord, we need you more than any of those things. God, how many times have you sent your Holy Spirit and poured out your your precious promised Holy Spirit upon this church? And pray, God, that you would keep us in a place where we would always be responding to your Spirit. We would never take you for granted. We would never look the other way. We would never be disobedient. Pray that as we open up your word, Lord, for the few minutes that we have, God, that you would do something transformative and powerful in our hearts. You would, by the Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus Christ far more than we've ever imagined or experienced before. Lord, what we want today is more than just intellectual information or a lecture. We want an encounter with the living God. I can't give that to them, Lord. You have to give it to us. We can't manufacture your presence. You must bring it today. So we're asking that, Holy Spirit, you would be here, and that's your promise. Thank you that Christ, where two or more are gathered, you are in the midst of them, and so we know by your promise that you are here present to bless. Pray that you would bless us with your own presence. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are in a world of debt. I don't mean $5 or a stolen library card or a blockbuster late fee. I mean credit card bills, tens of thousands. Let's just say 100000 or whatever it is for you that is just a crushing weight. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have an albatross-sized world of debt around your neck as we speak. And not only is it a world of debt, you don't have the means to pay it off, but add to that that you have expenses to deal with. So it's not that you just have debt to deal with, you just can't deal with it. It's an unmanageable, giant world of debt around your neck, weighing you down. Because you don't have the means to pay it off, but you only have expenses to add to it, that debt has become your despair. I want you to imagine for a second. In the depths of your despair, not having enough money to pay off your debt, but having more debt than you can possibly fathom that will be with you for the rest of your life. A stranger unbeknownst to you comes with no incentive, no incentive to himself, and he pays off your creditors. Pays off all of your debt without even asking your permission. That's good. That's good because you don't have a debt to deal with anymore. It's not perfect because you're still broke. So it's better than being broke and in the midst of debt, but it's it's not the best situation to be debt free and broke. Now imagine for a second that someone comes along or say it's that same person who paid off your creditors, decides then to get a hold behind your back of your account number and your routing number and to your account deposits $10 million to your savings. I've heard someone say amen. (laughs) Where is he? Where is he? Do you see the difference between those two things? In the first situation, you were forgiven of a debt that you owed, but you were still broke. In the second situation, you were not just debt-free, you were made rich. If you understand that, you get justification. Or Paul says to the Corinthians that he who was rich was made poor, that he might take you who were poor and made rich. See, Jesus doesn't just stop with taking your sin, putting it on his body, and suffering the wrath of God, which he does, right? That's good news. That would just mean you're forgiven. It would mean you're debt-free, but broke. No one comes into the presence of God without a righteousness of their own. And so he doesn't stop there. He takes away your sin, and he takes away your debt. But then he exchanges for that his own perfect righteous resume, so that when you stand before a holy God, you stand with a resume of Jesus Christ, his most beloved son. Not just debt free and broke, but debt free and rich in righteousness. This is what we know. We've been going through this in the gospel found in Galatians for weeks. And I have watched in my own life and in the life of this body corporately, just shackles being torn off demons being scattered, bondage being alleviated. As people, some of you for the first time heard for the first time, I don't have to perform. I don't have to go to church to make God happy. I don't have to be on mission to make God happy. I don't have to do these things to to get my spreadsheet filled with tally marks. God is already pleased. Pleased. It's been somewhat of a healing season for this church going through Galatians, and the reason we wanted to stop this sermon about a half hour short was so that we could have an appropriate time to respond to God for what He has done and to really soak that up. But first, I want to explain just briefly the thought and the heart behind our second set of worship. I know there's a bunch of you who are new in the past few years, feel like you deserve to know why we do what we do after the sermon. There's two things we should remember. One, worship, at least in this family, we do not consider worship to be an extracurricular activity. We don't consider it to be that that filler, you know what I mean? We don't consider worship to be a preview to the movie that we're dying to see. It's not there to fill up space. It's not there because we can't figure out anything else to put in the program. It's not like Brett was preaching. He was like, oh no, I only went 40 minutes instead of an hour and a half. Chris, sing a song. (laughs) Worship is the central core founding reason why we gather together on Sunday morning as a church this is the reason why we're here is so that we can worship God corporately worship is not secondary to the word I've often heard it said that worship prepares our hearts to hear the word I disagree As if we needed to sing three songs to get the blood flowing because we're tired. That's what the coffee's for. (laughs) Worship does not prepare our hearts to hear the word. The word of God prepares our hearts to worship God. God has revealed himself to us in his word so that we might respond to him. From Genesis to Revelation. Throughout church history, in the church, in your life groups, from the pulpit, in one-on-one conversations, God reveals himself to you and I so that we can respond to him in awe and worship and glory and reverence. Do you know that feeling you get when you get convicted by something someone said? Maybe it's your spouse or your kid or a life group leader, a discussion that you were in, or someone from the the pulpit preaching about the gospel or something, and you're like, man, I feel like that person is speaking straight to me. And you just feel this heavy weight. It's not a bad thing. It's It's like uplifting, but it's still a weight. And you're like, oh. Your heart is wanting to respond to God. So in that moment, instead of then saying, okay, sermon's over, let's play one happy clappy song and then we'll be dismissed to lunch. we decided we want as much of the presence of God as humanly possible before the next service comes in. We want to marinate in that revelation of God we don't want to go into the foyer and immediately forget everything that God is doing. How much ministry does God do in your hearts? When the lights go out and you begin to reflect on what God has done in your life or said through the word or said through someone or said through a prayer that was given to you. What a disservice we would do to one another if we were then to just dismiss. We desire as a church to aggressively pursue The presence of God with all the time that is allotted to us. And so in that moment that you are convicted by something that the Lord has shared with you. We want to stay there in that place. And let him continue to heal and minister and put together and transform and renew and restore and make beautiful again. And that's what he does here, doesn't he? By the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. In this season, our heart seems to be corporately responding to what we've read in the gospel in Galatians. Some of you for the first time heard, I don't need to do anything. God is already pleased with me. Turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 48. Just gonna read through it because it's self explanatory. But as we do it, Jesus is in a house with a Pharisee and an immoral woman. I don't want you to read this in a disconnected way from the characters. This was meant to mirror our own hearts. That Pharisee mirrors the heart that often says, I'm a good Christian because I do this. I want you to notice what his response is when he's in the presence of Jesus. The immoral woman is the heart that is broken before a holy God. I want you to notice her response in the presence of Jesus Christ. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on him. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him. Crows, she's a sinner. (laughs) Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon. I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Jesus then told him a story. He said a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected me, the courtesy of some olive oil to anoint my head. She has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus turned and said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Brothers and sisters, for all of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have this in common. Our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. And that isn't the only extent of that gospel. It's not just that your sins have been taken away and you've been made debt free but broke. But in place of those sins, Jesus who deserves all of the rewards... For obeying, obeying perfectly transfers his righteous record to your account. So you're able to stand before a holy God, not just broke and debt-free, but debt-free and rich in approval and validation from the only one who matters. Where are you looking for approval and validation? We have that in common. Our sins have been forgiven and we have been embraced by God, but this is what we do not have in common. Not all of us experience that on a day-to-day basis. I'd like to throw this out to you by the grace of God that you would begin experiencing that love today. So we start worshiping, continue to worship through singing. I don't know what it is about worshiping in a corporate gathering, but I've heard it said that a moment in the presence of God will answer a lifetime of questions. And I believe there's still people in this building who have questions. Perhaps there's some of you who have been going through Galatians faithfully with Brit not being able to wrap your head around this concept that you don't have to do anything to please God, that he's already pleased with you by faith. I can't answer your questions. Pray that God would do it by his Holy Spirit as we worship by faith. And I pray that you would step out of your comfort zone, even for the first time, and pour yourself out like that immoral woman to the Lord this morning in direct proportion to how much you have seen your own forgiveness. Heavenly Father, throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus Christ today. We ask by virtue of the gospel and by the gospel alone that you would come and you would come for the purpose of transformation. And Lord, as we approach you by faith we would approach you also in confidence knowing that the veil has been torn our sins have been removed our guilt and our shame and our condemnation have been removed we don't need to be churchy we don't need to be religious we don't even need to be good Christians in order to gain your closeness you are there and I pray that today we would tackle the promise that you will draw near to us when we draw near to you Lord, for those of us that are still in that place of of the religious Pharisee and still think ourselves as having attained enough, I pray that you would break our hearts down. I pray that you would begin to remove the lies and the deceptions that we tell ourselves because of the fear of man or the approval of man or even you. For those of us that feel that we are not deserving or worthy of being in the presence of God or being forgiven, I pray that you would break down the lies of Satan and that you would overwhelm our hearts with the pure affection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us, Christ. I feel like today for some of us, our heads know the truth, but it hasn't made its way down into our heart. Holy Spirit, will you please break down that channel and bring the gospel from our intellect to our hearts. We need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, I, if I may be so bold I would exhort you today to be violently aggressive in pursuing a God who wants you more than you want him. And lifting your hands up or singing or doing any of that stuff still doesn't make God more approving of you. But perhaps for some of you that have never lifted your hands before in your life, maybe this time you will, not out of obligation, but because God is doing something to your heart and you want to, for the first time, express your surrender. Maybe some of you have never gotten out of your seat before, and you don't have to, but maybe God is doing something in your hearts to where you can't sit still. You must fall on your faces on these carpets, away from from distractions, away from people. As we worship today, it's crowded up here, but people will make room. Perhaps you need prayer. There's prayer teams on the the couches and over on this side. They pray for you for anything that you need. We want to serve you in that way. There's communion up by the stage. Whatever you need to do, do you understand that God gave his most priceless gift in order to uh, secure your heart? Now is your opportunity to give it and to experience the salvation that you already have. Enjoy God this morning. In Jesus' name.